If you or a loved one has a hoarding problem, let's work together on a solution. We need to work on how we are dealing with hoarding issues. And what I mean is, how effective are we being right now? And in the current situation that there are a lot of things that we aren't asking in the beginning of an encounter with someone. For example, if someone is having cataract surgery and they are returning to the home by themselves, how do we know they're returning to a safe environment? Often after surgery, you might have a patch over your eye, you might need help with eye drops. And if you don't know what the condition of their home is, how safe are they? What kind of trip hazard are they looking at if they are going back to a hoarded space? And Another aspect that I see is if someone is going in for some other type of surgery, like hip surgery or knee replacement or something like that, are we addressing what their options are at the beginning of those consultations? Uh, I see that we aren't asking the questions. We are not focused on what their next steps will be necessarily. And we might talk about like moving to the nursing facility for rehab or, you know, how much room do you have in your house, you know, for your walker or your cane. But we're asking those questions, but we aren't necessarily looking at what the answers are in a way that would help that person return to their space safely. So if someone's going in for some sort of surgery, I think we need to be asking questions at that point about their home environment. Like what safety hazards do they have? And it could be something like the little rugs need to be picked up, but it could also be something like we need to create a 36 inch path so that you can safely navigate once you get home. And if you aren't addressing that early on, once the surgery happens, it's much harder to address it. Once you're trying to release someone after rehab to go home, that might be when you discover they can't go home. And all of a sudden, not only is this person dealing with a medical crisis and recovery, now they're also dealing with a home situation. And hoarding itself is problematic, and it's even compounded if you're now dealing with a medical issue. And sometimes that hoarding issue doesn't come up or we don't know it's a problem until there is some kind of uh, scheduled event or a crisis. And so part of what we could be doing is talking about that living situation at the beginning of conversations around medical issues. In medical pardon me, in mental health, often if a person that hoards is getting assistance, 
for mental health, they may not be disclosing to their mental health provider that they have a hoarding issue. People can attend counseling for a couple of years and never reveal what their living situation is. And so we could be asking it at that point as well. You know, what, is, what are your living conditions? There is a, a chart, different charts out there that you could have as part of your intake process. And you could have people circling, you know, what is, what is their home space look like? And while that at first that might seem really strange, um, I think it's really a piece of what can create more chaos in our mind and in our lives if we're living in a space that's super crowded and our and if our basic needs aren't being met which makes me think of when i hear that um, a kid has run away i'm always wondering why why did they run away and i know our first response is you know that kid needs to come home but i think sometimes we aren't addressing why that kid's running away in the first place and I'm not saying that every situation is that bad or that every kid um, is actually running away from something really awful, but maybe they are. And if our only solution is pick the kid up and drop them right back where they ran away from, I don't think we're addressing the underlying issues, whatever they might be. And as now, as the adult kid of parents that hoard, I reflect back on the time when I was a youth living in the horde, and I found lots of ways and reasons to be gone. And that was a coping mechanism that I didn't even realize I was engaging in at the time. But now that I'm older and talking about this more, I recognize that those were strategies that I had um, that helped me survive. And there are, are so many things we could be doing if we were talking about this on a broader scale. And so that's why I'm here, because we need that forum, we need that space. And unless we are all at the table coming up with solutions, we aren't going to solve the problem in a way that is helpful for everyone. So when I say that hoarding is a public health crisis and that hoarding impacts everyone, that is actually true and you may not realize it yet and you may not even know like there's a hoarding issue in your apartment building your neighborhood your town your city or your county until all of a sudden now you're faced with dealing with that issue and all of a sudden it becomes really clear that hoarding is a problem and you may not have any recourse to deal with it so in some areas, there are laws that say, if you have a shared wall, that's when you have the ability to complain or say something about a hoarding problem. The, the situations that I see though, are if you're the person who keeps a clean space and you take your trash out every week and your space is relatively clean and kept up, um, but let's say your neighbor, in the neighboring condo or apartment is not. Let's say they collect everything, they don't take their trash out, um, there's a smell maybe coming from their apartment, but let's say you really like that person and you don't want to um, cause any problems, right? You want to be a good neighbor. Well, 
What if you find out that all of a sudden that neighbor has rodents and they aren't dealing with it, and now those rodents are coming into your clean space, and you call every entity under the sun, but they can't or won't help you. So at that point, hoarding is impacting you specifically. What recourse do you have? How are we going to deal with it? Because in hoarding, in general, there are underlying mental health issues happening, and there is a lot of unaddressed trauma. And if you aren't getting at those root causes, you aren't solving the hoarding issue long term. However, if you are the person who is being negatively impacted by your neighbor's behavior, it's time to take a look at what can we do in this situation because it's really sad for a person that hoards to live in the level of squalor that draws rodents in. It's uh, destroying their property. If they're a renter, they're destroying someone else's property. And now you, as the neighbor, have to figure out what are you going to do when rodents are coming in your space? Like, can you keep living there? Should you keep living there? Why is there no way to deal with this problem so that your health and your finances aren't impacted? So those are the conversations that we need to be having. If you are a peripheral person being impacted by hoarding, what recourse do you have? Why is there no recourse? Like, if there's a law and a rule that talks about what should be happening in, say, your apartment complex, then why are we not adhering to those things? And if there isn't a rule that talks about keeping your space clean or not allowing rodents to reside in your space, then why is there not a rule and or a law? Like, why are we just letting it slide? It's not something that is going to heal by itself or get better with time. It's just this weird space that um, we aren't talking about. And I, I have seen the damage that hoarding can do in a rental property. And it is just astounding what can happen if we let it compound. Like the basement floods, the tenant doesn't tell the landlord, the landlord doesn't know um, what's going on in their space because they haven't done a walkthrough or they don't have property management who has done a walkthrough or maybe they don't have property management at all. Maybe they're a long distance landlord. And so their tenant pays them rent. And so they're happy that they're getting rent, but they don't know what's going on in that space. And they may end up facing a lot of costs to replace things that are damaged by their tenant who doesn't report. It's, it's mind boggling to me that this is allowed to continue for so long um, and not, not address it. Like we think silence will help and it won't. That doesn't mean we can't be kind, compassionate, empathetic, listening, caring, you know, looking for overall that long-term big solution. But we have to be focused on the humans that are going through it and dealing with it and talking about it. And, you know, what about the firefighters? Like 
they might face this regularly with heavy content homes. And they're faced with this difficult decision of, do I go in and rescue if I don't know if a person is in there? Um, if I do go in and rescue, I might not be able to get out. Um, fires burn hotter in heavy content homes and the trajectory of the fire changes because there's so much more stuff to burn in a space like that. And I was told of a story uh, years ago where I have a friend who was a firefighter and one of the stories he talked about was the fact that they were rescuing a woman from this hoarded home, but they couldn't get in through a door, a window, nothing. They actually had to cut off the roof in order to get to this person. And that's how extreme some of these situations can be. Like that person like crawls over boxes and trash to get in and out of their house. And it may not be through a door. It might be through a window or some other small space, you know, that that's how they ingress and egress to their house. So um, there are times when fire departments have to make the call that they're going to surround and ground. Like, They'll surround the house, they'll contain the fire, but they won't go in. And it's for their own safety and uh, the desire to live that they won't go in. And many departments across the country have to deal with that decision. Like they have to decide whether or not it's worth the risk to go in. And it's something that we need to be thinking about because who wants to lose their spouse or their friend or their dad or mother uh, because someone else hoarded and because someone else didn't think they had a problem. And now we are creating more public health hazards by not addressing the issue. So it's really a need to be talking about it in a safety measure, a mental health measure, um, family measures. I mean, hoarding is very isolating and it's very traumatizing if you grow up in it or um, are trying to deal with it and your parents don't listen to you. And how do you navigate that? How do you navigate that problem? There is this societal expectation that we will help our parents as they age. It's biblical, it's moral, it's like this box that we all participate in, uh, this way of thinking that we will help. And it is a nice thought to be able to help people in those situations. However, just because we think they need help doesn't mean they think they need help. And legally, your hands are tied if that person is still considered competent. They're making their own decisions. And it's it's really tough to be the kid and be told, hey, you should fix this problem. Like, you're the only one who can. And that's actually false. I'm not legally able to intervene. I'm not able to make a change because it's their property and they're choosing to live with piles of stuff. They're choosing rodents in their space and it can happen with cognitive decline where a person might not have normally accepted rodents in their space but 
they may not even have the capacity to recognize that it's a problem, yet they're still considered competent. So there, there is a lot of conundrum in these situations where you see a problem, you know what the solution is, but the person does, who has the problem doesn't think they have one, therefore, why would they need help? So it's not something that is necessarily easy to intervene in. And intervention, I believe, is the right word because what else are we going to do except intervene? And how do we decide that at some point we must intervene? So there is a lot of stuff that needs to be addressed in these situations. And that's part of why the Hoarding Solution Agency is here. That's part of why I started a podcast, the Hoarding Solution Podcast. It's also why I have a group called the Hoarding Solution Group, where people are invited to come and join this conversation. And there are a lot of people who see hoarding issues way, whether you're in real estate or mental health or um, code enforcement, firefighters, uh, medical personnel, home health agencies, um, there are just so many people that randomly run into this and aren't sure what they should say or do. And I know it's important to start the conversation and I invite people to join it and I invite people to bring their solutions that maybe we haven't thought of yet and to create something that will help not only the person that hoards, but the family members and the, all the peripheral people that surround the person that hoards that see the problem. So I, I just wanted to share that with people and I want people to know they aren't alone and that there are people who are working covertly in some cases, some behind the scenes where we're trying to figure out the best way to make a difference. And you can also uh, find us on Instagram at The Hoarding Solution. And you can also find me on Facebook at The Hoarding Solution. And you can email The Hoarding Solution at gmail.com. So I'm happy to connect with folks. And I thank you for listening in on my thoughts today on the issue of hoarding.